we have relationships with so when our podcast went out it was shared across all of our influencer friends um, and it reached 1.5 million people when we added up all of their all of their audiences wow this is three marketers walk into a podcast episode 48 you're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. Instagram, social media, podcasts, how do they work together? How does it all work? That's what we're talking about today, Rob. <laughs> Hello, this is Rob and Kennedy Hello. from Response Suite. And we're very excited to be here with yet another episode of Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. Today, we are chatting to David Speed from the Creative Rebels podcast about how he launched a podcast from nothing to number one in the business charts on iTunes, thanks to Instagram. Yeah, he basically leveraged Instagram and built a massive follow. And we're going to talk about all the details about how he got straight up there. Before we go any further, I want to give a big shout out. I'm going to pick up one of the uh, Google, no, one of the Google, what are they? iTunes reviews. Let's pick one out. We've got Alf Joey Art left. It's a lovely review. Let me read it out to you in a sort of sultry tone. This is a treat, said Alf, a man of distinguished taste. It's like eavesdropping on two positive pals who are throwing away good vibes and sound advice. But it's not just another podcast where two chums chatter, chatter without purpose. It's extremely well aimed, and the guest list is top-notch. Thanks, Alf. That should be Alf Dewey alliteration there. Positive pals. Oh, he's, got, he's got some chattering nice chums. <laughs> if you do go ahead over to iTunes and leave us a review on the old iTunes machine, we will, of course, give you a, give you a name check and read it out on a forthcoming episode. Please do that right now while you remember and you while can, you're listening. You can get there from responsesweet.com forward slash iTunes. We've made it easy. Oh, you have made it very, very easy indeed. So we're talking about Instagram. I'm not really that, I don't really get it yet. I'm going to be honest. I'm really trying though. Mm. Are you good at it? Would you like a selfie? Uh, I'm going to be slightly better after this episode, it has to be said. <laughs> um, there's, there's a few really big tips that we're going to be able to get into with this. So I, I think with Instagram for me, I've never really used it for business yet. I've used it very much for my own stuff. Yeah, so like sharing if, places you're going and all that kind of thing. If I'm or a nice meal or whatever, if I'm yeah. doing something business related. You're that related, guy, are you? Yeah. If, Foodstagram. If I'm doing something business related, I will post about it on Instagram. But I wouldn't say that I'm building my Instagram with the goal of being able to shift stuff like that yet. So that's going to be a big shift in my business for sure. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that a lot of us will start a business and then we'll go, oh, we need to have an Instagram following to, to sort of, I don't know, bolster that business. But the way these guys have done it is really the opposite. And that's what's really, really interesting about this episode for me. Because what I'm, I'm constantly looking at going, how do I get more followers? And what's always looking at, you know, is there a bit of software that can help me do this? I'm not really keen on that kind of thing. Like, I don't like finding the hacks. Like, you know, like every week you see there's a new program or a new software or a new training program for Facebook, which is like, here's how to hack the Facebook algorithm. Like, I don't want to hack the Facebook algorithm. I want to actually work in line with it. Because you know what? If you're finding a hack for it, it's not going to be very long before they come along and put a stop to all your fun. Yeah. So you may as well play by the rules and just do a really good job of it. Like, what's wrong with just putting out really good content that actually gets people engaged and they want to have and they want to see and they want to consume and what's great is if you're looking for the secrets of how to do it properly they're all coming up for you in this episode but before we get into that we've got to go to rob's quote of the week yes because as they say the phone may ring but is that opportunity knocking 
a little bit of food for thought for you there, ladies and gentlemen, today. It really is. And of course, if you are a coach, a consultant, or anybody who has an application form or should have an application form for people to, to work with you at all, then we've been working very hard over the last few years to figure out exactly what works, which questions you should be asking that help you convert more people into paying clients. We've been putting all this together for you into the perfect application form. And you can go and download that for free at Perfect Application Form dot com right now without further ado let's speak to david speed david welcome to three marketers walk into a podcast hello boys how are you very good very good on this uh, cold and frosty morning in london oh is it chilly it's it's appalling (laughs) have you got frost on the ground well what's what's worse is we've got frost on the walls and uh it's quite hard to paint if uh so so I'm a graffiti artist, as I'm sure we'll get into. Um, but yeah, painting on a wet surface is uh, is very awkward. So uh, so yeah, I might be having to dry down some walls before I start painting. If we today. Some, see somebody sort of dabbing down random bridges in London, uh, we know we know it's you. It could well be me. It's it's not terrible art. It's just melting. That's all that's happened. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get stuck in um, because this is a great day to be on a podcast instead of painting walls in the snow. Um, so let's have a chat about this because you were able to build a massive social following online and then use that in order to launch a podcast with great success. We want to really dive into this today. So here's my first question, I guess. Did you start building a social following with the intention of saying, I want to create this really successful podcast? Or did that come about later? So was it, yeah, was it intentional or not? We built the following in order to launch the podcast. So it was, it was very calculated. We decided that, so I'm, uh, the, the name of our show is Creative Rebels. And I am a bit of a rebel in that if you tell me not to do something, I'm probably going to try and do it. So when I was at school, um, one of my tutors told me that art was not a valid career option and that I should be more realistic. Um, and I didn't like that. So I was like, well, I'm definitely doing art then. Um, and that's <laughs> become my career. Um, and when we thought about doing a podcast, um, I started searching around, looking on blogs, things like that. Found, found this blog that was, that was talking about, here's how you set up a podcast. And then it had comments. So I'm reading through the comments. And the first comment I get to says, there's no point starting a blog, uh, starting a podcast in 2019, or in fact, it was 2018. There's no point starting a podcast now um, it's an oversaturated market, and unless you have uh, a big sponsor or a big company or brand behind you, uh, you won't you won't get any listens. And it's it's and so I read that and I thought, well, we're doing a podcast then because um, I just <laughs> yeah. like proving people wrong. I actually took a, a screen grab of it um, just to keep reminding myself because I think it's it's quite beautiful. I love seeing those those negative um, comments and then how we've responded to it. I really like that. So so I took a screen grab of it. Um, but yeah, our, our goal was always to, to launch a podcast to number one um, on the iTunes business chart. And uh, we succeeded in that. So, so yeah, we, but we had to get tactical in order to do that. Now that we know you like breaking rules, the game for this podcast should be a game of Simon Says. <laughs> if, he does, if, he won't, if he does everything we tell him not to do. Uh, so, okay, that's really cool. So presumably then, uh, the next step of that, I guess, is to decide, okay, great. Well, who's going to listen to the podcast? and then finding those people on social. So what logic did you put into working out? Because obviously there's like a billion different social platforms these days. And there's some that people love, there's some that people don't love. For example, I love Instagram, but I, I've, never, I've never looked at Pinterest because I don't really understand it. So how I, how, I guess, did you work out who you want to listen to the podcast? Obviously people in the art world, we can talk a bit more about that. And then working out where they're likely to be. 
Yeah. So since launching the podcast and it, and it being a success, we've had a lot of people contacting us saying, I want to do a, I want to do a podcast. Um, what advice would you give me? And I think the, the first thing to do to quote Simon Sinek is start with why, why do you want to create a podcast? Is it because you want to entertain or is it because you want to help people? Is it because you want to make money from podcasting? Like what, what is your goal? Because then you can design the show from there. I think there are a lot of podcasts out there that are just people having a go and there's no sort of more reason to the show and that can get that can get a bit confusing. So so the first thing we did we set out um the reason our our company Graffiti Life exists is and we're 9 years old this year and the reason that we started is because back when we were in 2010 when we were sort of young artists we felt there weren't any platforms for us. So we created our own thing. And our goal was always to provide opportunities for artists and creatives. So then as the company grew more and more successful, I started getting um, invited into to schools and universities and, and sort of events to speak. And I was, I could go in and I'll be talking to a class of university students for, for an hour and I'm reaching 30 people. And then I thought, well, if I put the same amount of time into producing something that then can go online, then I can reach 300 people, 3,000 people. Who knows? Like the, the possibilities are endless for that. So it really was the why behind our podcast was we want to help people. And we want to unlock people from the mix, get them to rebel against nine to five, realize that in this wonderful age that we live in, there are so many ways to make a living from doing what you love. Um, and so that was that was the the kind of goal behind the podcast. Um, it's it's not currently set up to make any profit from um, because our, we so we own four four different businesses that are all doing quite well. Um, so we don't need it to to make any money for us. Um, we'll at some point, but that's not a goal of it. Our our goal was us to inform, educate, entertain, and help people. Um, and so that's that's why we started. So then I think you have to win across. An, so we wanted to build an audience before we had a podcast. So rather than, rather than putting a podcast out there and saying, and listen to this, it's brand new. We wanted people to want to listen to it before it existed. And there's a bunch of different ways that we did that. Um, but our kind of primary um, our social channel for doing that was Instagram. That's interesting. So you ne- so you didn't just have to create yourself an audience for a podcast. Before that, you created a huge following on Instagram, and that's a thing where you know there's a, there's, a, there's hundreds of courses online right now about how to build an Instagram audience, and you had to master that bit beforehand. So how did you go about that? I mean, where does that even begin? So now you're saying not only do you need to create this massive audience for your podcast to get it listed really well in iTunes, but also before you do all that create a massive following on Instagram. That sounds like two problems. And I think what's interesting about this specifically is that you need to build a, and this is great incidentally, because if you think about somebody who just says, right, I need a big following on Instagram because if I have a big following on Instagram, I can sell them things. There'll be customers and I can make some money. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But you actually had a really specific intention, which is we need to build an Instagram following of people who are interested in our marketplace and interested in our niche and the topic of art and creatives for sure but they have to be people who are going to be interested in our podcast on that topic. So I'm really interested to hear how you find So let's just imagine you open a brand new Instagram account. What, are you going to, what do you do now? So I think the first thing to understand is that it's hard. 
And I think that we, uh, obviously our phones are designed to release as much dopamine in our brain as possible. All of these app developers, it's, it's well documented that they want to keep us on these apps for as long as possible. And the way that they do that is by making it fun, it, definitely in terms of neurochemistry, making it fun for our brain. Right. So I think when you then all of a sudden open up Instagram and you're not getting a rush of dopamine because you have to hard work and it is hard, boring work, I think that's when a lot of people sort of get bogged down because this is, this is a process that it's going to take you six months to a year to build a decent following. Um, there are, I think everyone wants sort of a, a quick, like a big break. Wow. And I, I think don't go looking for a big break because you'll, you'll just disappoint yeah, we're all yourself. We're looking for a hack, aren't we? We're all looking for <laughs> an automated hack to, to mess we're all looking the for a hack, and you feel like we're in the matrix. There really, there really are no hacks. That I mean, the hack is providing value to people. It's, it's that, um, that old saying of, of if you, if you help a, a billion people and ask each one of them for a dollar, then you're, then you're a billionaire. And that's, I mean, that's what it's about is, is providing just lots of value to people. So and, and being really targeted. So target people um, on Instagram. So, uh, so my business partner actually has um, a business that is based around um, Instagram growth um, that can automate certain parts of, uh, of the process, which makes it much easier um, when that, that company is called Instagrowth. Um, so we do, we have used a lot of that for, um, for building our accounts. Uh, so I think there's, there's a lot of, um, so we would never buy followers um, but what we do is we target um, specific users that are basically the algorithm is very smart. It works out who are real people who are actually interacting um, with different accounts. Mm -hmm. And um, so that tests the, the kind of the, the stress of that. Um, but I mean, how we built our, our uh, tattoo studios, Instagram following our um, and Graffiti Life's Instagram following, which is our, our graffiti company. Um, was just through hard work. So, for example, for the for the tattoo studio, it would be the, the studio is based in Shoreditch. Um, so, to begin with, before we even had a tattoo studio, we knew we were going to be opening one. But we started with a blank Instagram account, and we just started posting pictures of tattoos that we knew people would be interested in because we knew that they would be the sort of style that our artists would be doing when we open the store. Um, the wonderful thing about Instagram is you can find an account, so you can build you. Can an audience just posting pictures of i mean street art is such an easy one i mean if if you're if you're posting pictures of street art it's it's so easy to get gain followers because people love love watching that in their feed so absolutely um, but then if you say say you built a huge following with pictures of street art and then you had a, a t-shirt company that was doing um graffiti style designs then all of a sudden you flip it and you start selling your product on there and you've already got that built-in audience um, so you can do things like that. So we started posting pictures of tattoos that we knew people were going to be interested in. Um, and then all of a sudden announced we're opening a tattoo studio. We, by that point, I think we already had 11,000 followers and that was just through posting pictures of tattoos, going to places where we knew our potential clients would be. So it was no, there was no point in targeting people in America. Um, we wanted people specifically in East London in Shoreditch. Mm. So where do those sort of people hang out that might be our clients? Well, they probably, um, they might do yoga. Um, they might, they're going to be of a certain age demographic. So mm. we, we'd search for those people. We'd find their accounts and we'd interact with their accounts. We'd like their photos. We'd leave a comment. We'd follow them. And then nine times out of 10, they'll follow you back. If you're, and when you're leaving a comment on them, are you leaving such bland things as good work and your account is my favorite? 
yeah see i i there's so many automated bots that will will leave you leave an automated comment and you it sticks out like a sore thumb you have to be so specific i love your blue sweater that you're wearing like literally just you've got you've got to be so specific so that people know that you aren't fake because i think every time i get a comment now i'm always skeptical it has to be hyper specific for me to realize okay you have seen this and you are interacting appropriately with it Street um, street artists are one of the definitely one of the easiest things to like build a following over because people get really passionate about it and you, and that sort of thing. For example, I follow um, there's a Portuguese street artist I followed. Um, I didn't re- even realize I was into street art. Uh, I think you pronounce it Pixel Pancho. Is that his name? Oh um, uh, yeah, I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good I mean, work. just like just great work, really unique style, just amazing stuff. But so what's really interesting about this is most people build this stuff the other way around, and it's almost like you've literally turned that inside out, being like the sort of anarchist sort of character that you are. Most people will start a business because they've got a really good product or they've got a really good service that they that they want to promote, and then they go, oh crap, yeah, I should really have an Instagram following because that's going to make us some sales. Whereas you guys seem to have even not even just with your podcast, but with your tattoo shop is you've said we're going to have this coming in the future let's pre-build the following for that and then you've pre-built that following and thought actually this is leading on to the fact we want to do this podcast we're going to continue to build that following and move that that up so you've literally flipped that whole thing inside out haven't you i think it's it comes down to patience Uh, i think everybody wants to launch now 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 and I, there's a there's a fine line because you can be planning everything forever and there is a point where you've got to pull the trigger but the the first steps of a business are the hardest because no one's paying attention no one's listening um that was certainly what we found with graf- with graffiti life and i suppose that's why we've we've adopted this this strategy now um, but when we first started with with graffiti life it's it's you need people's attention i mean at the end of the day marketing sales everything it all comes down to attention and you have to get people to to look at you i've got a screen grab of a tweet that we sent out on our um on graffiti life's um twitter when we we first started out and it's it was sort of just i was so frustrated at the time and it said something like uh just wanted to update all of our 17 followers that that nothing's happened in the graffiti life studio today and I know that that frustration is so palatable to people because they've got a small follower count and it feels like you're never ever going to get, you see all of these accounts with these massive followings and it's like, where do you start? And you start one by one by one, just, Mm. just person by person. And that's how it builds. Um, I think we've got 13,000 Twitter followers with, with graffiti life now, but Mm. if we'd, if when I was frustrated back then and I just packed it in as a lot of people do because the the internet is a is an elephant graveyard filled with with dead blogs and youtube channels that have uploaded four videos and because we we have this idea and we start and we're passionate about it and we throw it out there and then no one watches because so much to choose from there's so much being bombarded at us all day and we otherwise we go insane we have to now be really choosy about what we pick so i think with the podcast we we went in with in order for anyone to pay attention to this it has to be a number one show because people want to listen to a number one show um so we we got we i mean we're still on um, itunes new and noteworthy but like mentally when you when you go into that of of so our approach then is how we view if i say i'm going to make a number one podcast then i know what a number one podcast looks like right. i know what the um what the thumbnail image looks like 
Um, I know the kind of caliber of guests that you get on the number one podcast. It's, and so we knew what we were shooting for. Whereas if we just think, oh, I'm going to have a podcast, then I can interview my mate Greg, who's got 17 Instagram followers. We knew influencer marketing was super important for the, for the podcast. And we spent um, probably about six months fostering relationships. And I'm, I mean, this is not to sound cynical because obviously it was hugely useful, but the wonderful part of it is these have become great friends. Right. So we've interviewed people like Emma Gannon, who has an absolutely massive following. And every now and then I'll get a text from Emma Gannon and that's just nuts because we've now built a relationship. Yeah. Um, we've, we've got, um, Manon, um, she's just come out, her episode came out today, Manon, who was a, a contestant on the great British bake off. Um, and she will send us a cake every now and then. Do you know what I mean? Because we've, we've <laughs> built these relationships Amazing. we knew that we were building them because, um, because we wanted to, to launch this podcast at number one. But the beautiful side effect was that from that was that, we made a load of friends, a load of really cool people that now want to hang out with us, which is amazing. Yeah, no, I was just, just saying it is amazing. And what actually it made me think of there, people talk about influencer marketing and they talk about relationship marketing, but actually they're not mutually exclusive. Like what about influencer relationship marketing? Like it's not just a case of going, hey, you've got a massive following. I want some of that. Bring it on over to our podcast or bring it on over to our blog or bring it on over to our Instagram and we'll do, I mean, we've got friends who are, big on YouTube, massive on YouTube, uh, not particularly in marketing or anything, our business, but like they have their own uh, sort of celebrity sort of status on YouTube with singing and, and all kinds of different things. And the same thing there is, it's about the long-term relationships they're creating. There's no point in having somebody come along, just do a bit of content. You go, right, that's enough of that. Thank you very much. It has to be that sort of exchange and how are you, and how are you building up more than that? I'm going to interrupt the proceedings at this point to play the game that we specially designed for you which doesn't have a name, but basically what's about to happen is on our screen right now, Rob and I have a great... Kennedy, one second, one second. Let me just respond to that because I think it's really important and I think people sure, get sure, a lot yeah, of value ahead. from it. So um, firstly, I think you need to trademark uh, influencer relationships because uh, <laughs> I think that's, that's really, really key. Thank um, you. So, so look at that. So it, I, I guess, I mean, in terms of when you look at our social followings um, for Creative Rebels and for Graffiti Life and for our other businesses, um, we are viewed as influencers by, by some people. So if someone approaches and says, I want you to post my brand on your feed um, and I'm going to give you X amount of money, it's, it's transactional. Yeah. It's, it's, a one, it's a one hit. And if the money's high enough and I mean, some, some influencers, it, they'll have to believe in the product. Some influencers, if the cash is there, they'll, they'll yes, promote it. Exactly. That's fine. That's great. And that, and that does work. Okay. Yeah. That does work. However, we have relationships with, so when our podcast went out, it was shared across all of our influencer friends um, and it reached 1.5 million people when we added up all of their, all of their audiences. Wow. But they didn't share it once. They shared it three, four, five times because they're our friends and they want to see us succeed. So we could have just paid them and say, oh, here, have a hundred quid, come on our podcast, and then we'll yeah. give you a couple of hundred quid to promote it. And that would be transactional. It would be very, very, I don't know. It would just be boring and bland and that would be one and done. Or you can develop these relationships. You, you help them. I mean, 
in order for us to get on the radars of these people who've got tens of thousands of followers, we had to provide them value. So we're contacting them saying, oh, I see that you um, you could do with some help with your branding. Let us help you with that. Or um, how about, um, so my business partner's a photographer, how about we take some headshots for, for you um, completely for free? And then, I mean, especially when you're taking um, photographs with them, you're then, you've got a blocked off space of time where you're just building a relationship. Absolutely. And, and it, it's, it just works. I mean, and it's the same in business. If you go to a networking event and you become friends with someone rather than what can you offer me, yeah. then that's where you build an actual relationship where you can help each other. And it's just, it, it just makes more sense. And what it means when they start introducing you to their contacts is they actually come with like an emotional endorsement when they're making that recommendation rather than going, yeah, I met this person once. I'm not sure what they're like, but you could give them a shot. Whereas compare, compare that to somebody who absolutely adores you, trusts you implicitly because they've been out with you and they've, you've, you've socialized, spent some time together and built a deeper relationship. Then they're going to say to somebody, oh, you need to speak to this person. This guy or this girl is just amazing at what they do. It's that emotional endorsement that we're going for, isn't it? A hundred percent. And I mean, I, like I've, I've listened to a lot of your shows um, and, if, and now being on the show, if you guys contact me and say, oh, David, we need help with so-and-so, then like, I'm, I'm going to help and it, and it works and vice versa. So it's just, it's just smart. It just, just makes sense. And, and it's the nice human thing to do. You'll get, you get so much more out of it than looking at someone and saying, Oh, oh, they've got big following or let me, let me utilize their following. It's like, no, let me, let me learn about the person. And And how do we collaborate? Right. And that's about, for me, it's all about collaboration. Just thinking about what you can do for us. I'm thinking I'm going to have the headshots, rob you up for a tattoo. I want a big <laughs> graffiti print on the wall. You want a big graffiti print of your face probably on the wall. Okay, that, that sounds like a really good time to actually whiz over into our game. So we've got a grid of brand logos in front of us. Rob and I's job is to move through the grid. That sounds very, very, very official, isn't it? To move through the grid and describe these brand logos. Because the reason for this, by the way, is you've worked with some phenomenal brands, despite your school teacher saying this art thing is never going to take <laughs> off and it's not commercial. So we thought, and you've worked with some massive brands and worked with really close down creating some brands yourselves uh, within all of your work so we thought we'd describe these really world famous brand logos we're not allowed to describe what the company does or use any of the words of their name we're going to see how many of these you can get right in 60 seconds and we're going to see how long we can last without swearing rob you're up first go Okay, so this is two words in blue text. There's like a ribbon uh, icon on the right-hand side. Um, it's a very like patriotic uh, company, I would guess, here in the UK. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they're based here still. Um, they transport People. passengers around yeah, the yeah. world. You could say that. Um, British Airways. Yes, it is. Um, I'm going to go with, this is a, a, uh, a brand where their logo is like a pyramid, but it's made up of three stripes at an angle. Adidas. Um, yes, it is. Uh, so this is a little green, um, uh, like a little green character. Um, and you thought it was going to be easy that, didn't you? You got very uh, confident there, Rob. I can't say what it is. It's a little green character. Not a human, but like a little, um, uh, little mechanical dude. Android. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, this is three letters in a row, and they are made out of black squares with white text on them. And it's a very, again, patriotic, oh, time's up, but I started, so I will finish. Can you guess what that one is? No. 
People okay. are probably screaming at their... their they make uh, what some people be, might refer to as entertainment. Yes, yes. Uh, people are probably screaming uh, at the wirelesses right now. My, my friends at the BBC. It is your friends at the BBC, indeed. <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, how did we get? We got one, two, we'll give you the BBC, three, four. Android four. Android four. But I think that was much more our description. So based on what we were just talking about there, there's no shortcut, there's no little hacks you should be using the real way to build real engaged subscribers and get and engaged followers on all these platforms is to not do any of that stuff it's just to actually do the work now i love all of this because it really gives our listeners a really firm route to say okay great i want to do this thing now maybe that thing is launch a podcast maybe it's launch a product maybe it's open a shop it's i, I want to do this end result and i need to build a social following that's going to engineer me an audience for that thing and that's great. So moving on from that, let's imagine somebody's going to launch a podcast or they're going to open a tattoo shop or they're going to do something and they decide, okay, great. Now, now, now following David's advice, I can work out what's the content that I need to start posting in order to start building that audience. So maybe it's pictures of flowers, maybe it's pictures of street art, who knows? So they're, so they're going to start posting that content. Basically, at some point, they're going to have to start transitioning, I guess, that brand on Instagram or Facebook or Pinterest or whatever to start suggesting that actually this is because presumably you weren't advertising the fact there's a tattoo shop coming soon for 12 months before like presumably you it's that 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 get gets introduced at some point to them yeah. so at what point do you start to transition probably not all of the content but do you start to drip in the fact that or oh, there's there's something happening here and, and how does that work yeah we do um and it's it's just as soon as we're ready really i think it's it's fine if if all of your posts up until that point have been entertaining for people then they're not going to resent whatever your new whatever your new project is. Uh, I, again, it comes down to providing value. If all of a sudden you and I've I've heard you talk on on previous podcasts about um, literally just just doing the hard sell straight away, and it's like you've got to take them out and wine them and dine them first. You've you've literally got to if you've if you've provided value to people, they're not going to be resentful for you then um, saying, well, th- this is the business now. And, and I mean, I suppose that's the beauty of, of our podcast is that we are we are building this audience of um, already they're they're hyper loyal because they're sharing it with their friends and they're DMing us and they're asking us questions and we're we're helping people with whatever their problems are. If we ever have an ask, if we decide to um, bring a T-shirt out or we write a book or whatever it is, we will have provided so much value audience that then they will. I, I think, I imagine that they will probably respond favorably to, oh, you're doing this. Well, I'll have to support you because I'll feel bad if I don't support you because you've literally given me thousands of hours of advice and content and, and help. Yeah, because I mean, basically you're building fandom at that point, aren't you? Is there like a ratio of stuff that you would post up that's just purely like entertainment, like, like, like nice pictures or quotes or whatever versus stuff that's directly pushing people in the direction of taking an action? Or is it not that simple? So um, for our business, um, so it, it varies across our different businesses. So, um, so for Graffiti Life, our clients aren't typically the people that follow um, our Instagram, which is, which is interesting, really. Um, oh. I mean, a lot of our clients do. But our clients are mostly sort of um, advertising agencies and um, and big brands. So what? So our feed is very much tailored towards people who enjoy our paintings and who like us as as characters, as the artists of Graffiti Life. 
um, but they are not necessarily the people that are spending money with us, um, which is interesting because those clients, we've not found them through our social media following. We just happen to have quite a large social media following because what we do is, social is fun. Media following is basically allow, giving you the kudos that brings the big brands in. Is that where it fits? That, that does help. Um, that certainly does help. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would, I would say so. But in terms of, um, so Creative Rebels is, is just there to, to help people and just to let, let them know about the content that we're putting out. Um, the tattoo shop is, is pictures of tattoos which people like looking at, but then the call to action is within the story. So um, I like to, to leave as little resistance as possible for people. So I think once you reach 10K followers on Instagram and you're able to use the swipe up function, it's hugely useful because you're not, not asking people to to do much so if they're if you if you post on your feed and you say oh i've got this i've got a new product out the link is in my bio that requires them to go to your profile if there's three or four clicks there which is a lot of resistance whereas if it's in your story and it just says we have spaces in tomorrow swipe up to book in then that's one action it's smooth it's clean and it's uh, it's a lot higher of a conversion rate. Funnily enough, uh, you almost read my mind there because I was about to say the difference between the stories and the in the feed there, specifically on Instagram. Maybe your feed might be the kind of thing where you're going to put sort of your content, you're adding value and, and building that relationship. Whereas your stories is probably would you say that's a better place to make those offers and to actually ask people to take actions? Are they better in the stories? Yeah, sell on stories and brand build on the feed. That's, that's our kind really of like our general, general rule. Really lovely distinction because for me, I'm not like an, inst- I mean, I'm not big on the Instagram. I'm trying to sort of get the grips with it. But I think I feel like a bit of an old man saying that, but for me, it's getting that distinction of, is this a thing I put on my feed or do I put that on my stories? Like, where does that fit? I think that's a write it down a moment for anyone. Massive. I mean, unless, that, that's game changing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Unless you're driving. Uh, so we're now going to roll over into the second game of the podcast. So my colleague Kennedy here Hello. is going to sing a song for you, David. He's going to sing a song, but in the style of a traditional British club or pub singer, which means that some of the words may be somewhat confused and disguised. And your job, and dear listener at home, is simply to guess what song Kennedy sings. Oh God, I feel like I know it, but do I the, can't. you can do the chorus. Um, oh, it's really hard. Do the chorus. Uh, um, okay. That's probably more confusing. That was well, that was better without the chorus. Yeah, the chorus. yeah. I'm I'm gonna have to pass. I'm afraid I don't know. Oh, you you know what? It is? You did know it. It was Love Shack, the B52s. Ah, uh, of course it was. Obviously. You see, in retrospect, everything is clear. Let's roll straight into and find out a bit more about you from our quick fire round. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers podcast now on your podcast player. So first of all, David, give us a book that you recommend. So I think the most important book in the history of the world is Mindset by Carol Dweck. Um, it's an absolute game changer. It talks about how we are from an early age conditioned um, to to think, well, basically, nah, I'll start again. Um, it's one of the most important books in the world because it talks about how there's a fixed mindset and there's a growth mindset. And if you can develop a growth mindset, you can literally take over the world. It's, it's such an important book. 
Wow, that sounds great. What's a top success habit? Something you do regularly? Uh, I mean, I have a cold shower every day, um, which is obviously ridiculous. Um, but the reason that I do that is to have credibility with myself. So because it's so hard and I don't want to do it, um, if I do do it every day, then it means that, I, firstly, it's like a small victory in the morning at 6am. I've been under the cold water when I really didn't want to. Um, and secondly, it kind of reinforces myself that when I say I'm going to do something, I do do it. Because mm. I think it's very easy for us to let ourselves off the hook. Um, and I have I didn't, I wasn't born with a ridiculous work ethic. I built it up over time. Um, and I did that by keeping credible to myself and, and the cold shower in a weird way kind of comes into that, um, apart from, and it does have great health benefits and stuff as well. So I do recommend it. It's really hard for the first couple of weeks, but then after that, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, a cold shower to give you a small victory. Love that. <laughs> uh, who do you look up to? Um, other than you guys, um, I look up to my, my, business partners first and foremost because they're two of the most incredible humans on the planet um and the team that i'm surrounded with every day in our studios here in shoreditch are amazing as well um and then in terms of sort of celebrity famous guru type people obviously robin kennedy and um alongside that list people like gary vaynerchuk um tim ferris i think you can learn a lot from those people Hell yeah. Okay. So what are some favorite apps that you've got that basically run your life that you think are really cool right now? My favorite app currently is Medium. Um, I've been getting a lot into blogging. I've been putting a, a new blog out every Monday on um, rebelscreate.com. Cheap blog. Um, <laughs> but Medium is absolutely fantastic. I think that the age that we live in currently or everything comes down to mindset and determination now because all of the tactical how-to is on Google, it's on Medium, it's on podcasts. Like, there's nothing that you can't learn. All you have to do is get your mindset right and your determination and just realize, okay, I can do this. Mm. And then Google how-to and then you can do it. So it's, it's getting over that confidence um, and I find Medium is such a great place to just be inspired every single day. Hmm. Big important question. Who do you like more, Redhead Rob or Platinum Kennedy? That's, I mean, it's an impossible question, isn't it? It's the, uh, the ant and deck of the podcasting world. I mean, they, they become symbiotic. They're like, they're like one entity. So you can't really pick a favorite. You say all the right things. So uh, finally, where can folks go to find out more about you? You can find our podcast, uh, Creative Rebels, which uh, debuted at number one on the iTunes business chart um, that we uh, release every week. And we're probably going to start doing some bonus episodes on there as well, which is cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter at David Speed UK. Um, I've just started a new Instagram at David Speed UK. Uh, you can find my graffiti company, Graffiti Life, at graffiti underscore life. You can find my tattoo studio at Parlor Tattoo. Um, I'm all over the internet. Yes, you are. And we'll link to all of those places, of course, in the show notes. David, thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us so much insight. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. No, it was fun. I hope we helped some people today. So your Instagram feed is for brand building, putting stuff out there. Basically, that's going to be there permanently that people can look back at over time and it probably doesn't date that much. Mm -hmm. Whereas your stories are like of the moment. It's this season. It's Valentine's. It's Christmas. It's Easter. It's, you know, it's the summer or whatever. Or, of course, making current offers. So if you've got like a webinar coming up or you've got a particular class or a, a coach, you know, coaching program that's just reopened, that's the place to make the sort of offers and make the timely stuff. 
it doesn't have to just be offers, of course. No, and that's a mic drop moment for me. I think that's mm. really, really cool. It's almost like we talk obviously a lot about email marketing and the mm. ability we have to just throw together a quick email, send it out to our list instantly, have people opening emails, clicking links and that stuff. This is kind of the same. Like you can post a thing. I mean, sure, when you put it in your feed, it's there instantly as well, but it just doesn't have quite the same level of engagement to it. And I know personally as an Instagram user, I'm much more interested to flick through people's stories and see what's happening right there in the moment yeah. than to actually flick through the feed. I could do both. And I think there stories. are some accounts which are the opposite way around. Cause I, th- I think it sort of depends on how you train your audience to behave. Like if you're more about putting stuff on your feed, then people will sort of consume that content. But if it's more about looking at your stories, then they will consume that content. So I think for me, getting that definition, which totally aligns with how I like to do things, like when do I need to do that? What do I need to do? And that really, really makes sense for me. If you missed any of that at all, or you want to find any of the links or any of that sort of good stuff about this episode, you'll find them over at blog.responsesuite.com slash 048, where Grace in the office here has put together all those notes and links. Now, we'd also love to have you leave a review for the podcast if you haven't already. It will only take you a couple of seconds and it will really help us to spread the word about the podcast. Just head over to responsesuite.com forward slash iTunes to do it there. Or of course, you can do it on any of your favorite podcast networks. Next week, we've got another fantastic guest lined up for you. You don't want to miss it. So if you haven't already, make sure you hit that subscribe button and we'll speak to you next week. Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.